You've heard me say it before, guys. The hiring process for the fire service is a gauntlet. There's a series of tests that include mental and physical aspects. But then there's also those rounds of interview panels that you'll have. And if you're currently in the testing process and have experienced what a fire service interview is like, then you know the stress that can come along with not knowing what to say or how to say it. If you're just starting, then this will be a great episode for you to pay particular attention to and take notes. My guest today is Captain Brendan Trainer with the Gilbert Fire Department, and he just published a book called Fire Interview, The Storyteller Method. In his book, he talks all about how to formulate the perfect answers to any question that you could be asked. His approach isn't based on having canned answers to expected questions. It's about having a strong foundation on principles that will allow you to answer any questions that might be thrown at you. His framework has helped numerous people get hired and promoted over the years, and he has become a sought-after mentor here in the Phoenix metro area where both he and I live and work. If you're looking to get hired or you're looking to promote within your current organization, you won't want to miss this episode. So stay tuned to hear my conversation with Captain Brendan Trainer. You are a firefighter and an EMS professional. You are a part of a worldwide brotherhood of dedicated servants, and you put your life on the line every day for others. Because of that, you deserve better. We are often our own worst enemies, and it's time to own it. Let's work to improve and change the status quo. That change starts with us, right here, right now. In every situation we're faced with, as we see a need, we own it, and we act. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Rodriguez and I'm the founder of Ignited and your host for the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. The Ignited Movement is a brotherhood of firefighters who challenge the status quo through a forum dedicated to self-improvement and accountability. In each of these episodes, we discuss a myriad of different things challenging the fire service today, from leadership and tactics to how to improve ourselves physically as well as mentally. We aim to civilize the mind but make savage the body. And even though the focus is on the fire service, topics and principles we discuss can be applied by professionals everywhere. That being said, let's light the spark. All right, Captain Brendan Trainer, How are you doing, buddy? Good, how are you? Good, my man. Thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. Not sure Thanks if you came company. on duty today or what, but... I just came off duty this morning, so. <laughs> I did not. I go back tomorrow. I actually just got back from hunting up north, so. Oh, right on. Did you get anything? Did you bring anything in? I did not. Unfortunately, I did not, but it's always good to get out in the woods with the boys, so. Yeah, man, and the weather right now is so beautiful up there. I love how the temperature just dropped like 20 degrees in the last day or two. For sure. Perfect, man. All right, well, let's just dive in. Um, you authored a book called fire interview the storyteller method and uh this was just released earlier this year right earlier 2020 it was released uh about two months ago actually so okay. it's it's yeah. brand new <laughs> hot off the press yeah yeah um i saw your your instagram on it and then i was like oh man i gotta get that and uh 
I actually ordered one and then I got in contact with you and you were kind enough to drop one off for me. So I think what we'll wind up doing is uh, I'll do like a, a drawing or something for the people who are listening to this episode. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, I That'd appreciate awesome. it, man. That, the book was great, dude. And, and that's kind of going to be the focus of, of the, our discussion. Um, I run a, uh, an online program called the Ignited Recruit Academy. And in that online program, we take six weeks and we go through like all the things that it takes to become a firefighter. And I didn't really have like any help or like an ambassador to help me figure it all out. And so I think this book's really like a godsend to those people who, who don't really know what to expect when it comes to interviewing. And uh, I think your book really lays out a pretty amazing structure as far as like formulating your answers. Because anybody who's, who's had an interview or is on the job now knows that it can just totally wreck your mind and you go in and you're just a mess. But uh, you really structured it out pretty well. So why don't you just give us a little bit of, a, of an intro as to who you are and what inspired you to write the book? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Brendan Trainer. I'm a, a paramedic and a Haztec and a captain with Gilbert Fire and Rescue uh, in Arizona. And I started out on the ambulance when I was about 19. I did private ambo, Southwest, PMT, that whole gig. Uh, then I got picked up by Phoenix Fire in their alarm room. Uh, worked in the alarm room for a couple of years. And then I got picked up by Gilbert Fire and went through promotional So that's kind of what led me to today. And then over the last uh, 10 years or so with with uh, being on the fire department, people started to come to me for interview help and uh, that just started to grow and grow and the method that I put together started to grow and grow and it, it, kind of a combination of a bunch of different methods that I'm sure people have used out there. And it kind of got to a point where, uh, you know, started out just one or two people like, oh, I know this guy's pretty good with interview stuff. And, you know, somebody here and there coming by the station. And that grew to where we about a year ago, we were having like almost these little mini sessions with five to 10 people coming by the station and we're putting on full-blown interview clinics on the whiteboard. And when I do interview prep with people, and I'm, 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 I promise I'm long-winded, but I'm, I'll get to your answer of how the book came about. But uh, so yeah, we're, about it. we're putting them all these little interview uh, help together with people at the stations and one thing that I do when I help people with interviews is I don't start with a mock interview. And we talk about that a lot in the book about how you go to these different stations, they sit you down, they do a mock interview. Of course, it's terrible because you have no tools to help you and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. So you do the best you can, you shoot from the hip, you give this answer. And then that crew sits around the table and tells you for about an hour, hour and a half about how terrible your answer was and all the things you need to work on and the things you should have said. And then you come back a week later, maybe with a different crew or the same crew and the same thing happens over and over again. And so then what I would hear from people is I'm just not good at interviews and that's why I can't get hired. So I don't start with mock interviews because it really sets people up for failure. So I ask people all the time, like if they're an EMT and they're testing and I said, you know, can you perform an RSI, which for those of you who don't know that that's a rapid sequence induction or an innovation 
And they'd say, well, no. And I said, well, why not? And they say, well, no one's ever taught me. So why would I start with a mock interview if I haven't taught you the steps that you need to be successful? I haven't told you what the expectations are. I'm setting you up for failure. So I would meet with people the first time and the first time is almost all me talking and telling them about the method that we're gonna use to plug their information in and the homework that they need to go and do to be successful in this method. Cause the method only works if you do the homework. It's not, there's no secret phrase or thing you can say to get hired. You have to plug your information in. So just reading the book is, is half the battle. You've got to do the homework. So then I would send them off. They do the homework, they'd come back the station meet again, we'd go through their homework, go through their resume, maybe do a mock that day with just me. And then usually their third visit to the station, we might sit down in front of my crew and do a full mock interview. Uh, so the reason for that is just to set people up for success. Cause I remember doing those mock interviews and just feeling like my interview is not getting any better. I get the same critiques over and over. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Nobody's giving me any real structured homework or real structure on how to answer. So long story short, I, I started meeting with too many people. Like the time management was almost unreasonable. I'm getting, you know, three or four phone calls a day from all across the state to help people with interview stuff. And I don't want to turn anybody down. So I was just taking on everybody. So then I put together a packet. I basically typed up what that first session was, which is explaining the method and giving out the homework and saying here, I'm going to give you this packet, read it, do the homework, and then we'll have you down for a mock. So I could I could try to pare down the amount of people that were coming by the station. Well, the packet ended up being like over a hundred pages long. And uh, so I went and had a bunch of copies made at the FedEx by my house and put them in three ring binders and was just giving them away. But they were like 26 bucks a pop for me to make up these little nice three ring binder packets for people, which I didn't think they would be that much. So my uncle who published a book through KDP was telling me, he's like, Hey, you know, you can just publish for free through Kindle Publishing Direct. People can buy it on Amazon and it's actually cheaper than what I was doing at the time, which was printing them myself and making these binders. So then we started the process of saying, okay, we'll publish a book. And the other thing about that is then anyone in the world can have access to this information. And we have our Instagram and our Facebook, which is at uh, fire underscore interview. And we could help people all over the world and they could just message me on there. And we're posting videos every week to help people on the fire interview Instagram. And then I don't have to have, you know, a bunch of people coming by the station every shift. We can help anybody anywhere in the country or in the world. So I started the process of writing a book, which I thought was going to be super easy because I already had the packet, but I'm not an English major. And so it took me probably a year of editing I had a bunch of people read it, non-firefighters, rookie firefighters, chiefs, uh, everything from, from division chiefs all the way down to probationary firefighters just to get opinions and, and try to really make it as good a book as possible and, and get some editing done by people who are much smarter than me so that I don't have all the spelling errors and stuff like that. So that's kind of the long story of how the book came to be it is really kind of out of necessity. It just didn't really exist out there. And me as one person just couldn't meet with these thousands of candidates. We, we needed something to put out and then, and then the social media to kind of supplement that with additional questions and help. So that's how the book started. Nice. Right on, man.
that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, uh, one of the things that I really liked about the um, about the the book, reading it, is that it wasn't just a bunch of canned answers. And you know, it, you've sat on interview panels, I'm sure, and and you hear everybody say these like canned answers, and it just kind of gets tedious. And then we do the same thing that you talk about in the book, where as evaluators, we just kind of glaze over, you know, yeah. and it's like this, nothing is standing out about this person. Um, but I thought it was really awesome how you taught the format. And then, like you said, you've got to do the work, you know, you've got to plug in your own individual stuff, you've got to do the homework to really make yourself stand out, which is ultimately like the key, you know. Um, how did the, the structure of it all come to you? Was that something that you had just refined over the years and then were able to, like you said, stand in front of a whiteboard and just kind of whip it out? And I'm sure now it's just tattooed in your brain. Yeah. So I was curious as to how that, that structure came to you. Yeah, so it's kind of a combination. Uh, there's a few different methods out there uh, for answering interview questions. And, and a lot of people use like the baseball method, the pillar method, tell me, tell me again. There's like all these different, there's all this different advice out there. So if you meet with 10 people, you'll get 10 different answers on what you should say. So what I did was kind of combined some of them together into what I thought was a complete answer. So really my goal is for you to score full points. That's what we talk about a lot in the book is how do I score full points? Because it seemed like one method was really good at it using those uh, those important words, like make sure you say you're hardworking and say you want to fight fire and that's how you score points. And you know, another method is really good at the story part and telling your story and, but it, you didn't capture the other points, you know? So, what I wanted to do was, was try to combine things and, and make something where you could score full points. And then just as important is creating separation. So like you said, when you come in and you don't tell your personal story, you just list off your resume, you get lost in the mix and the panel becomes glazed over. Because if you go into your interview and you think that telling them that you're on the ambulance and you're part of one of the affinity groups like FireVet or, or Bomberos, and those are all great things and you should do those, but saying that you've done that and you did EVID and you volunteered and you go to CrossFit and whatever, and you think, I killed my interview, man. I, I told them all these different things and, and I've got this great resume, but what people don't realize is the other thousand candidates have the same resume as you or very, yeah. very similar. And so you end exactly. up just getting lost in the mix. So I concentrate heavily on how do you create separation? And, and really the only way to do that is through your personal story, not by just listing your resume off. And we still do that. We're still gonna score those points. It's what we call in the book is the low hanging fruit or everybody's answer. We're going to score those points just not for more than 60 seconds and then we're going to move on to what really separates you from other people which is your personal story and that's how people end up remembering you is by those personal stories you know if i were to ask you like hey what's what's an interview that stands out in your mind as a really great interview you probably wouldn't say well i had this one guy tell me that he works for amr and i'll never forget that you know it's like <laughs> it's usually yeah. some personal story they told you about their family or their time in the military or, or, or a childhood story. Even, you know, I tell a story mm -hmm. in the book about getting bucked off a horse. And I told that story yeah. in my captain's interview. And people are like, you told a story about when you were 
12 years old getting bucked off a horse in a captain's interview. It's like, yeah, but I'm sure that that's the story that they remember. You know, they yeah. don't remember a story. Well, I'm, a, I'm an acting captain and that helps me prepare. Well, so is everybody else that's applying. So right. you really got to find a way to create separation. And, and in my opinion, that's uh, that's through your personal stories. But the as far as how the method kit got put together, you're right. It was over time figuring out, okay, so we know they have to tell stories to create separation, but we also want to score this these other points that we call the low-hanging fruit. And they also need to be able to relate it to the fire service and they need to be able to connect the dots. But the biggest part that we put together in the book that I think is different than other methods was the homework, putting together what we call the mental file cabinet, which we can get into if you want, and the highlight reel. And all that stuff kind of came about as I was preparing people and we would poke holes in their interview or in their resume or in their history and then find ways to solve it. So I was helping a guy that got hired by Peoria Fire on his first try. He has no family on fire or anything. And he was the one, and I think I wrote this in the in the book. I think I told his story, but we get done with his mocks and then we're just talking like me and you are. And he starts telling me that he played football for Michigan State yeah. in Division One. And he was the captain of the team. Yeah. And he has a four-year degree. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me any of this stuff? <laughs> right. He's like, well, it it doesn't matter for the fire service, right? Uh. My degree's not in fire science. Football has nothing to do with firefighting. So that's how the highlight reel came to be is because yeah. of that one guy. I'm like, okay, what else are you not telling me? And right. Started yeah. Just so much more than listing that. Off his highlights. And so I think people get pigeonholed into thinking, uh, I only should talk about stuff that directly relates to fire. And so that's how the highlight reel came to be is saying, no, no, there, there's a bunch of stuff from your life that does relate. Uh, we just need to plug it into this formula that we call the storyteller method to show how it relates and that's how they get to know you and that's how you create separation. So I think that's the biggest difference of how we put this together over the years was just finding, finding ways for people to plug their personal information. Highlight reel, which is the, the, the bulk of the homework in the book. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's crucial, man. That that's the thing that really stood out to me too. Um, you, you talked about scoring full points. Now I know some people might might be coming from like a corporate arena or they might not have ever even had a fire interview. Um, we, we grade people off of a point system and like based on if you've answered the question, you know, how thoroughly you've answered the question, if you've related it to the fire service or whatnot, depending on the agency, we all kind of score things differently. And then, um, so that's, what you were talking about when you are talking about the low hanging fruit, like clear those points, score those points, and then add like your special sauce to it. So that was really good. Um, right. The homework. Yeah. Like you said, is key because honestly, like you get out of it, what you put into it, you know, and if there are some people who want to go to different firehouses and practice their, their routine, it, because ultimately it becomes a routine at that point. Uh, you know, and they're trying to perform for each crew. And like you said, it might be a different crew that day and it's not consistent. The feedback might not be consistent. Right. So this, the homework aspect of it really introduces that consistency and really helps you nail it down so that it's not so much a performance, but is like a reveal as to who, who that person really is. So that, that was really amazing. I thought. 
Yeah, I think it helps a lot with your confidence too. And uh, the number one question that you get from people, and I'm sure you've experienced this, is do you know what the questions are going to be? Right. And so we try to focus in the book on saying, you know, the questions don't really matter. Uh, it's you need to start pulling out what the core concepts are. So core concepts would be like integrity, trust, honesty, customer service, teamwork, diversity, why you want to be a firefighter. Um, one category we call city specific, which would be like, why do you want to work for Phoenix Fire? And it's more specific. So once you get a handle on these core concepts, there's a bunch of different ways is that, ways that I could phrase a question. I could phrase it really simple and say, Ryan, tell me the importance of teamwork in the fire service. Or I could, and so in that question, it's really obvious. The core concept is teamwork. Mm -hmm. But if I say, Ryan, tell me uh, the importance of different people with different talents coming together to accomplish a common goal. Well, the core concept is still teamwork. So if you do the homework and you start to learn to pull these core concepts out and you have that word association with your stories, if you tell me leadership, I tell you my bucked off Poco story. If you tell me, uh, you know, conflict resolution as the core concept. I go to my community bridges story. So I've got all the homework done. So when, once you do all that and you've got your mental file cabinet done and you've got your highlight reel done and you've practiced going through the steps, you don't have to be so nervous about the questions. Cause you could, I could ask you that same teamwork question a thousand different ways. Yep. So what you really yeah. should be doing is concentrating on what's the core concept of this question. And it's just teamwork. And the rest of the fluff that human resources or the recruitment committee, whatever other fluff they add to the question is merely interesting. So I think that's one of the, one of the things that we help people a lot with too in the book is, is understanding those core concepts so you don't have to be so nervous anymore about what the questions are. Because if you've done your homework and you've done it thoroughly and you've done all the things that we asked you to do in the book, it doesn't really matter are you're so thoroughly prepared and we have backup plans even if it's not one of your core concepts like break glass in case of emergency and yeah. change the question and we have all these backup plans so you're still covered because um, i just wanted people to go in with confidence one of the biggest uh things i hear from people about what they struggle with is is they're so nervous that they just can't get it together during their interview and so I think this method helps you go in with some confidence that there's, there's nothing they could ask me that I don't have a plan for. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, week one, I'd mentioned the, uh, the Ignited Recruit Academy that I run online. And actually the first week of that, we go over know thyself. Because if, if you don't know who you are and what you stand for, how can you possibly answer a multi-tiered question that involves leadership, teamwork, you know, drive, goal setting, all that stuff. You just can't do it. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you end up hearing um, those generic answers. <laughs> yeah. You get lost. Yeah. In that's mix. exactly right. Then everybody, yep. Everybody gets lost in the weeds and they're just kind of saying the same thing. So that's really great. I love that because it, it actually forces you forces whoever's reading the book, it forces them to, to think about that stuff. And then later on um, in the back, you have a whole workbook section, which is awesome, which is what I kind of like to talk about next. Um, it's, it's pretty much like a natural resource. For us as firefighters, we, uh, we tend to be very hands-on. 
You know, we don't necessarily like to just read and study a book and then put it down. We want to like do the thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was really great. I really liked how you incorporated that workbook side of it. Um, with, uh, you'd mentioned that you're a captain. Um, the testing process is really dynamic as a spectrum. You know, you could be testing for somebody in the West Valley and it's a completely different experience than, than, a, than an organization in the East Valley. And even if you're going to a different state, you know, I know guys who live here and they've tested like in Nashville and it's, it's a completely yep. different experience for them, yep. but there's always going to be an interview. Yep. <laughs> there will always be some kind of interview and there will always be questions about why you want to do this, why you want to work here, all of that. Um, you talked about how you were, you used some of these strategies in your promotional test um, and, and use the same process. It, this process doesn't just work for those who are trying to get hired, but it also helps for people who are doing promotional tests like engineer, uh, captain, and some people might not understand that those are ranked positions. A lot of the, a lot of the new people that I work with, I have to explain to them, you know, we have at least four people on a truck, two firefighters, an engineer and a captain. And then I have to explain the hierarchy, the ranking, but, um, as far as the promotional test aspect of it goes, are there any adaptations that, that you had made or that you would recommend for people who are looking to promote specifically? Yeah, for sure. So I've been helping a lot of people lately with, with promotional stuff. Um, I wasn't, I haven't been doing that for a long time, but um, after Gilbert's uh, test, I was lucky enough to come out number one on Gilbert's list. And when you come out number one, all of a sudden your phone blows up and everybody wants to know what yeah. the secret sauce is. Yeah. Uh, so I've been helping, helping people from all over the, the valley. Um, so before I get into the promotional difference, I just wanted to touch on the workbook for one second. Uh, so for people who haven't read the book yet, the workbook is really, really short. So when I say that there's a workbook at the end, it's not like a whole separate book, like an EMT or paramedic school workbook. And it's short for a reason because you need to be able to remember your homework and you need to be able to pull those files when they ask you a question. So if you're thinking, man, this, this, I don't know if I'd call this a workbook, it's only three or four pages. Well, that's on purpose. The, the reason that the book is not 500 pages long is because we want it to be simple. We want it to be straight to the point. We want you to not only understand it, but be able to, to pull from it when you get that question asked. And that's why the homework is, is so simple is, is uh, I, I could have wrote a 500 page book with a whole separate 500 page homework book, but I just wanted you to get just the information that you needed. Like for those of us who have been in paramedic school and you had to memorize the 12 cranial nerves, which you're never going <laughs> to use in real life. I didn't want any 12 cranial nerves in the book, right? I just want to, hey, here's, here's what you need to know. And here's the simplest form of the homework that I can make for you to be successful. So I just want to touch on that real quick. So promotional processes. So it's, you're right, it is different everywhere and everywhere is going to have an interview. So I was kind of surprised because I kind of thought this would be something that would be right around the valley here in the Phoenix metro area, this book. And we've been getting a ton of messages from people and I try to post them in my stories, but I'm not real good at keeping up with people all over the country that have been getting hired and getting promoted using the same interview method. 
So really, no matter how they structure the interview, and even if their scorecards are a little bit different from department to department, at the end of the day, they're all human beings and they all are going to react the same way when you tell your story or when you do an interview. There, there's really not a huge amount of difference, like in a tactical, for instance, if you're promoting to lieutenant or captain, depending on where you're at in the country, tacticals can be scored completely different, whether you work in New York City or Phoenix, Arizona, they'll be completely different. But an interview is really not that much different, no matter where you are in the world. An interview is an interview. Uh, it's not like a tactical or the other parts of a promotional process or for engineers, a, a pumping scenario which may be completely different in another part of the world, but the interview really stays consistent. So if you're listening to this and you're getting ready for a promotional interview, um, some of the things that I would change if you're using this book, which is geared more towards recruitment, I use the same method for, for my interview, and, but there are some changes you need to make. So one of them would be on step three, where we talk about relating to fire service. You're going to change that to as an engineer or as a captain or as a lieutenant, whatever it is that you're testing for. So if the question doesn't include that, let's say I, I ask you, um, Ryan, tell me the importance of leadership. And that's the, that's the question. In your head, what you should hear is tell me the importance of leadership as a captain or as an engineer or as a lieutenant. So you're going to you're going to brand that into your brain that no matter what they ask you, you are always going to end with relating it specifically to that position. Because like we talked about earlier with the scorecards, one of the things on their scorecard, more, most likely it's going to say, did they relate it to the position of lieutenant or captain or engineer? Right. Even if it wasn't in the question, because they'll say, yeah. well, they didn't, they didn't ask me that in the question. Well, it may not be in the question, but I promise you it's on the scorecard. Yep. So always remember what the position is that you're interviewing for. And that's one of the things I would change is on step three, you'll change that to how does this core concept of this question, how does it relate specifically to the position that you're interviewing for? And then you move on to step four and connecting the dots. Another thing that I would change is your mental file cabinet, which is our list of core concepts and kind of the stories that we're going to word associate or, or we're going to connect to those core concepts, our, our stories and our core concepts. So that's all part of the mental file cabinet. And a lot of those are the same, right? Trust, integrity, honesty, why you wanna be in that position, what you've done to prepare, customer service. A lot of those are gonna stay the same. Some of them you're gonna to need to add to. So like if you're promoting to, excuse me, a uh, supervisor position like Lieutenant or Captain, you're gonna to need to add in more leadership core concepts. You're gonna to need to add in management core concepts. Um, you're gonna to need to add in disciplinary action, supportive action, all those things that would you, you would never ask a recruit firefighter about disciplinary action because they're not a supervisor. So uh, some of that stuff may seem obvious, but you need to add that stuff to your mental file cabinet. And if, if you're testing for a higher up position like battalion chief or captain on the East Coast, uh, then you're gonna to need to go even a little bit deeper with things like what are your city or your town's strategic initiatives? Uh, so we talk about city specific as one of our mental file cabinets and for a recruit firefighter, city specific is basically just bragging about the city that you're interviewing with. Like, oh, 
I know that your city has hazmat and TRT and you work this schedule and you have X amount of stations and I love the community, blah, blah, blah. But if you're testing for a promotional process, the questions are going to be a little higher level. Like uh, the town has seven strategic initiatives, one of which is uh, economic viability. How will you as a captain affect the economic viability of this city? So in those promotional tests, you just need to get a little deeper with your mental file cabinet and think about your new role and how you're going to attack that versus your recruit interview. And same thing with the creating separation. So when I help people with their captain's interviews, everybody thinks that they're good at inter interviewing because they're like, well, I got hired by the fire department. So clearly I'm good at interviewing because I beat out these other thousand people. But now you're competing against other high level interviewers, right? right. So it's kind of like saying, well, I was a good uh, basketball player in college. So clearly I'm going to be good in the NBA. It's like, well, now everybody there is the best. So you still need to concentrate on creating separation and that gets lost in the weeds, just like with recruits. So I'll help somebody with their captain's interview. And on step two, they're just wanting to list off their resume and tell me that they were on this committee and they did this for the union and they're an acting captain and they uh, were an RTO for an academy and they sat on interview panels and all that stuff's great. And we're going to take that low hanging fruit on step one. But at the end of the day, do you think that all the other people testing for captain have the same types of things to say? Right. The answer is yes, they do. So that's why I'm telling stories about getting bucked off a horse when I was a little kid and the lessons I learned from it. And that's the interviews that end up standing out. So um, those are just a couple of things that, that you would need to change uh, if you're tackling a promotional interview. That's awesome, man. That uh, it's like plug and play, you know? You just got to level it up, like you said. And yeah. um, that was a good analogy, the whole college to NBA, because it's true. Everybody, you know, you have those people who get hired and then they they act like, well, I'm a rock star, so I'll be yeah. good and I won't yeah. need to do anything. And it's like, no, man, you got to <laughs> if you want to level up like you have to level up. Yeah. Um, so that was really good. Um, one of the things that we all, I think, have probably experienced who have tested and interviewed we've all experienced that vapor lock where they ask us a question and we're just yeah. like, what did they just ask? Or how do I even answer this? And you, you kind of brought it up in your last comment about break glass in case of emergency. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what that is, because when we do have that deer in a headlight look, it's like, where do I go? What can I, what do I do? How do I save this? Right. So there's kind of, a, we use kind of three different steps for what you're talking about. So it kind of depends on what the problem is. So if you're in the middle of your answer and you vapor lock or you freeze up, generally speaking, you're probably between steps somewhere. And it's funny because people who aren't even using the method, uh, but they're, they're accidentally using the method, you know, on their own. I can always tell when they freeze up, it's because they just finished telling a story or they just finished taking the low hanging fruit or wherever they're at in the steps and they freeze up. And generally it's just because they need to move to the next step, but their mind is thinking, what else do I need to add? Or especially at the end of their question, we call it looking for answers on the ceiling where they pause and they're just staring up at the ceiling and the panel's wondering if they're done and they're wondering if they're missing anything. And generally I find that that's because they're not using a structured method. 
So they're just kind of shooting from the hip. So they don't really know if they got all their points in and said everything they wanted to say because their, their interview is so random, it's not structured. So one thing, if you're using this system, the storyteller method, and you're going through your steps um, and you do freeze up, which could still happen no matter how prepared you are, is we have one trick called the water bottle trick. So I'll tell a candidate to take a drink of their water bottle. In almost every interview, they're going to provide water or at least allow you to bring your own water bottle in. And it sounds like a cheesy trick, but I'm telling you when I do mocks with people and they freeze up and I say, hey, take a drink of your water. The key is while you're taking that drink of your water, I want you to think about what step you're on and then think about what step you're going to move to. And it only takes you that two or three seconds that you're sipping on your water to go, I just finished my story. Okay, I need to relate to fire service. Or if you're in promotional process, I need to relate to position. So it really does work. I've watched it work. They're frozen, frozen. The longer you're frozen, the more you're panicking in that little sip of water. One, it's a lot less awkward for the panel for you to say, excuse me, and take a drink of your water than it is for you to stare at the ceiling. And two, that, that sip of water should remind you to think, what step am I on and what step do I need to go to? So that's if you freeze up in the middle of your question. So the break glass in case of emergency is more related to if they ask me a question that I'm not prepared for, it's not in my mental file cabinet, or I can't figure out what core concept it is. So what we use in the book as the um, break glass in case of emergency example is a customer service question. And the reason we use customer service as our backup story is because most good customer service stories have almost all the core concepts in them. You think of a really good, really um, well-rounded customer service story, it usually involves teamwork and diversity and problem solving and conflict resolution and leadership and uh, all those different things, <clears throat> pretty close to all of them, right? So if you have to, and we give us an example in the book about the blood and the carpet story about how you can just inject that core concept word into your story. So we took what was a customer service story and we turned it into a teamwork story, assuming that, that the teamwork question is what we locked up on. We broke glass in case of emergency. We told our customer service story. We injected the word teamwork into it and it, wor and it worked out great. So our plan A is going to be to tell the correct story, right? But if that falls apart and you vapor lock, plan B is still that we're going to use that break glass in case of emergency. We're going to tell our backup story. We're going to compare it as close as we can because you will always score more points doing that than just saying nothing or skipping the question, which I've actually seen people do in an interview. They're like, well, I didn't have an answer. Well, that time in the interview, whether it's 30 minutes or 25 minutes, that's your time to talk about whatever you want. So you're always going to score more points by giving an answer than just skipping the question or, or giving a just a low hanging fruit answer and not telling your personal story. And then the final thing you could do if I'm like, OK, well, they asked me a really specific question, like tell me a time a supervisor asked you to do something you weren't comfortable with and how you handled it. I'm like, oh man, my break glass in case of emergency is not going to work for this either. I don't, my, even my backup plan doesn't work. That's where we have plan C, which is change the question. Yeah. So again, you don't want to jump to this immediately. This is like DEFCON. Last resort. Yeah. Last resort. 
And what changed the question is, is you sometimes departments, in my opinion, get too specific with these questions. Like that one I just gave you about a supervisor asking you to do something and what you do about it. That's really specific. But all you have to do is pull the core concept of the question out. So the core concept of the question is conflict resolution, right? You had a conflict mm -hmm. of interest or conf whatever kind of conflict it was, and you had a difference of opinion. So what I'm going to do is change the question and say, you know what, sir, I've never actually run into that scenario specifically that I can think of, but I did have a problem with the coworker one time or with a teammate or, or whatever it is. And then you just go into your conflict resolution answer or whatever the core concept was. Now, again, that's not as good as plan A is just being able to answer the question directly, but it's better than just saying that's never happened to me and moving on because you score no points for that. At least if you, if, if you break glass in case of emergency or you go to plan C and you go to change the question, at least the panel afterwards can say, you know what, he or she didn't answer the question exactly, but they clearly understand conflict resolution and they clearly told a great story about it and they clearly understand how it works in the fire service and they connected the dots and you're probably still going to get great points on that. So that's why we have those backup plans. So there's never a scenario where you don't have an answer. Nice, yeah, always that fail safe, right? And uh, that's kind of the, the mentality of the job anyway. Like if you, if you don't have that, if, you're a, if you become a firefighter and you think you don't have to have a backup plan for anything, then you're in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we always show when we do the tours, and I'm sure you have kids come and do tours at your station too, but we show them the, the chainsaws and the K-12s and all of these cool tools like the, the jaws of life and whatnot. And then I open up the cabinet with all the manual tools. And I'm like, these are the things we have to use when those things don't work or yeah. <laughs> those things run out of gas yeah. or whatever. You know, we always have to have that backup. So that's really good. You know, it makes me think of that. I, I've never used this analogy before, but it just popped in my head with the backup plan is um, I'm, I'm real passionate about paramedic stuff and teach a lot of paramedic stuff. And so on my crew, if we go on like a pediatric seizure, my expectation is that me and my medic partner have got the med math figured out on our glove before we get there, starting with Reset IM and then Ativan. And we work it all the way down to where we're shocking them. We've, we assume that everybody's dying until proven otherwise. Right. And I know some guys are like, God, oh, it seems a little excessive, all the stuff you've got prepared on your glove. Like I know the tube size I want, the depth, the epi dose, even if it's just a basic uh, seizure call. And yep. like you said, the reason for that is because when I get on scene, I can be nice and calm, cool, collected. I'm not panicked. I'm not trying to figure out my kilogram dosages for this little baby. Because uh, on the way there, I just assume that it was that it's going to be a horrible call. I'm prepared right. for it to be a horrible call. And the interview is no different. You should be prepared that they're going to ask you all this craziness and what's your backup plan and what's your backup plan to the backup plan. And uh, so it just made me think of that because I've had some guys give me a hard time. Like, I don't want to write all this mass on my glove for every call and tube sizes and depths and how many joules I'm going to shock them at. I go, yeah, but the, this one time when you get caught with your pants down, you're going to be really glad that, that you did all that work on your glove on that four minute response there. Uh, right. You're going to be much more successful. And that's really similar to doing the homework for your interview. I know it seems daunting, but you're, you're going to be set up for success instead of set up for failure if you take the time to do a little homework. 
Right. And like you said, it seems extreme and some guys may look at it that way, but at the same time, our job is extreme. Like everything yeah. about our job is extreme and we have to go into it assuming the worst. We can assume the worst, expect the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like some sometimes people go into it hoping for the best and they're right. like, no, nah, it's not going to be that bad. Or you get dispatched <laughs> for an ill person and then you show up and the person's totally coding and you're like, now yeah. I got to scramble, you know? Yeah. Never assume it's a refusal. Assume everybody's dying. <laughs> if you show up to my house, I've got a, a two-year-old and a five-year-old and I expect you to be a master of your craft. That's you right. I, I expect you to show up and have the answers, right? Yep. So, and I think everybody expects that from us. So yeah, 100%. Yeah. You, you said it best, man. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like we're with all the trust that's placed in us and the training that we go through and that we're the things that we're expected to do at a moment's notice, how, how would you not want to be that prepared <laughs> to me? It yeah. sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. You've got a reputation to uphold. And, and we talk about that when I work with people is we, we you've got a really, really good reputation. I think firefighters might, this, it's going to sound a little cocky, but I think they might be the most trusted profession in the United States right now. I mean, you think yeah. about it, you take your kid to the doctor, you've already done your own research on whether you want to vaccinate and you, you know, you don't trust doctors and you don't trust lawyers and you don't certainly don't trust politicians and yeah. a large portion <laughs> of the country doesn't trust police anymore, which is you yeah. know, unfortunate, but um, we're really one of the last professions where people will will hand you their kid who's not breathing and completely trust you. I mean, nobody's yeah. ever asked me one time in my whole career, uh, hey, what's that medication you're giving? I need to get on WebMD before you do that. Right, have right. Complete trust. Like exactly. you want to rifle through their purse for medications or drive their car to the hospital for them or lock yeah. their house up for them. It's just a, a profession that has complete trust. So we have a, we have that duty not only to uphold but build upon that trust in our community so i know we got off the interview topic a little bit but <laughs> no it's totally fine totally fine man but a lot of it goes with what we're trying to do here at ignited you know i mean you have that trust and and it's an honor to have it and those little things that you might uh, become complacent in or lazy in those things diminish it and over time, you might not know just how much until you do get that, you know, child seizure call. And then you're like, well, crap, what do I do now? And I'm scrambling. Yeah. And so that's good, man. That's good that you're, you're preaching, holding to that standard as we all should. Um, you talked about how you had people over to the station and, and then you, you printed up uh, the workbook and you printed up like the sheets and all that. And it just kind of organically has grown. Have you done any like workshops or is that something you'd be doing in the future? Do you think maybe? Yeah, we've talked about it. Um, we haven't figured out what it is we're going to do right now. We're just, we're trying to help people through the social media. Um, yeah. so the, the book is really new. I mean, it's been out, I think like eight weeks. So we're still, yeah. growing. our <laughs> social media has actually been blowing up really fast. Um, Good. and, uh, so I've been helping people a lot just through Instagram. They message me. I post videos every week on little interview advice. We're going to try to do some more uh, live stuff on there and people can ask me interview questions and I'll answer to the best of my ability just to kind of give nice. them an example. Uh, so we got some stuff in the works. I've thought about doing workshops. I've thought about setting up 
uh, mock interviews for people. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to get into that or not. Uh, as of right now, we're just concentrated on trying to get the book out there and, and help people through social media. Um, we, we don't have any plans for a workshop as of right now, but we, we've certainly kicked around some ideas of, of things that we could do maybe in the future. But with COVID and everything, it's so hard right now to do true. anything that's not just online. So yeah, true. We'll see. Right on, man. I think that's I think that's definitely going to be a natural progression, or at least like an online course of some of some kind. Yeah. You'd uh, you'd mentioned the uh, the social media that you do. How can people connect with you, and where can they buy the book? I'm sure they can buy it anywhere, but if there's any specific route you'd like to have them take, go ahead and let them know. Yeah. So it's only available on Amazon. So that's one of the reasons we went with KDP instead of doing uh, self publishing and having a website and trying to get you gotcha. to use our website and use our uh, you know, shipping and blah, blah, blah. We just publish it through Amazon. So amazon.com search for fire interview, the storyteller method, uh, and it should pop up on there. And then we have Facebook and Instagram, which is at fire underscore interview. If you just search fire interview on either one, I think we're the, the top one that pops up. Uh, and it's mostly the Instagram. I think most people are on Instagram these days. So that's where most of the action is happening. Uh, if you're looking for more stuff, we post a ton of stuff on there. We post some funny memes and stuff too, but- uh, <laughs> Yeah, those are good, man. Yeah, those are great. At least, <laughs> at least once a week, we try to get serious and, and talk interview stuff. And a lot of people reach out to me on there through Messenger. So I always tell people, if you've got questions about the book or you've got an interview coming up, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm, I'm not too busy to help you out individually through messenger or whatever. And so we've had a ton of people do that and, and that's been awesome. So definitely go follow us on Instagram, get the book off of Amazon. And uh, if you have any other questions, I'm more than happy to, to help people uh, individually as well. Right on, man. Well, thanks so much, man. This has been really good. Um, I know, I know my audience is really going to get a lot out of this. The, the how to get hired, the how to interview, how to test, how to physically prepare, all those different elements seem to be what I get questions on the most. So that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on. Plus you, you put together a really good book and a really good strategy for how to knock this out and really hone it in. So I think that's really awesome, brother. Thank you. All right, man. Well, uh, I'll let you go. Thanks for, uh, thanks for chatting with me. I appreciate it. I'll have yeah. to swing by and drop off a, a shirt to you. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. Right on. Thanks, bro. Along with all the great tips that Captain Trainer offers in his book, his social media is also extremely helpful. Not to mention pretty dang hilarious. If you'd like to win a copy of his book, just follow these steps. Number one, follow Brendan and myself on Instagram. He's at fire underscore interview and I'm at ignited FF. Number two, Share a screenshot of this podcast episode. Number three, tag Brendan and myself in that post along with two friends who could benefit from hearing the episode. The more people you tag, the more opportunities you have to win a free copy of Brendan's book. Winners will be announced next week, so get to sharing. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and share. As we delve deeper into these issues, we can come together and help each other learn and grow. As we lift each other, we become stronger. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IgnitedFF. 
Thanks again for listening. And until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Ignited.